What does Christ's resurrection mean to us? A whole lot. His resurrection attests to our justification and Satan's condemnation. Case closed. No more cases against us in the courts of heaven. We live in the newness of Zoe life, the God kind of life. We have the life of Jesus manifested in our bodies. Resurrection power is available to work in us, for us and through us. And what a future to look forward to. The resurrection from the dead when we will be clothed with immortal bodies. All this and so much more. Don't miss this exciting Resurrection Sunday message. Morning church. Let me tell you a story. See, it's no ordinary tale. No, it's the ordinary from which every other story hails. It's the story of God. It's a story of history. And no, I'm not the author. See, the author is a glorious mystery. Long before he would put his pen to the paper, long before there was time or before there was matter, he was there all alone. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God in three persons everlasting in existence. Completely satisfied, needing absolutely nothing. He was happy in himself and his joy was overflowing. The Son in the arms of His Holy Righteous Father, the Spirit overshadowing all glorifying one another. So why would this God even bother to create the fountain of all happiness? Can you actually improve upon this state? Well, the joy within Himself was swelling up at such capacity, was so full it must be shared with a glorious society. So the mighty author, quill in hand, to share His infinite mind, His love, his joy sat down to write his once upon a time see in the beginning he made the heavens and the earth he made all things to reflect his beauty and his worth mountains rivers oceans trees all gladly testifying endless stars and galaxies declare his glory shining he made it all and it was good and to culminate his work he fashioned man and breathed to life his special ball of dirt. Man came to life with blinking eyes and was welcomed by God's face. They walked with him every day and night. There was peace and no such thing as shame. God said, be fruitful and fill the earth and eat from any tree except for this one. Because if you do, you'll surely fall from me. Now why do this and give this choice? Because he is writing a story and he's about to show the whole world the fullness of his glory. But as God put his quill to the paper, Satan came along trying to be a reaper. All he wanted was for God to sin and so he wanted man to sin so he could defeat God and win. Flash back to when this evil was created. He was an angel of heaven who fell when his head got inflated. Banished from God and his endless mercy, he came down to earth to tempt us with the unworthy. So there in the garden on an ordinary day, he came to the woman and said, Did God really say that you should not eat from any tree in the garden? He must not want your happiness or you would have total freedom. So pridefully they listened, sinfully they took and scorned their creator as they ate forbidden fruit. Fallen now is all mankind and sure to face his judgment. A world of pain, of toil and strain and hell forever after. 
But God would make a promise to preserve himself and his people. And through the brokenness of man, or oh, could there shine a hero? The plotline continues. Some character development. All supporting actors, all fantastic as embellishment. Noah found great favor in God's holy sight. And when God sent the floods, he mercifully preserved his life. We come to Abraham and God made him a covenant. He said, I will bless you. Make your offspring abundant. To Isaac and to Jacob, God would come and do the same. And though many dangers came to threaten his perfect plan, the story would go on with the author's full control and he would lead his people everywhere that they should go. Yeah, fast forward now 400 years. In Egypt, there's a pharaoh who doesn't like God's people growing numerous in number. So he made them slaves, but God came down and chose his servant Moses. A burning bush, a call to go. His presence was his promise. Go and tell that pharaoh now to let my people go so they can freely worship me in the land that I will show plagues numerous and God will show that he is the I am and that Pharaoh's rule is like a pawn in his glorious hand the waters part the millions leave and every night around them a pillar of fire God would weave at Sinai God gave the law so perfect and so pure his people soon discovered they could not obey them for sure they tried, they failed, they tried, they failed, compelled to live in sin. They bowed to worship idols, then they bowed to God again. <sighs> Give us a king, they said, and that would make things better. God, their rightful king, assured them no one could do better. They insisted, God relented, gave to them their kings. Some were good, like David would sing, while the others sought all the wrong things. God sent his prophets, turn back to God. Sometimes the people listened, but mostly they just gave a nod, because they all wanted to be him. God will not wink at your sin, the prophets would all say. The people rose to eat and drink, and they left to go and play. God finally seemed to have had enough and bought a blaring quiet. The Prophet sees the people waited 400 years of silence. Enter our protagonist, mostly unannounced. The plot is quickly rising now. Who is this man? Nobody really knows. He's meek, he's humble, an ordinary hero. But the craziest thing about this character is, well, unlike the other characters, this is the author himself. His name was Jesus. He was born of a virgin. Fully God, he was perfect. Fully man, he was learning. Different from all the others, but tempted just the same. In every single way we are, and yet without a single sin, he made the lame to jump he caused the blind to see and unlike the religious leaders he had some real authority because he came from on high and he came to redeem not to be served but to serve his haters and enemies he loved he gave he came to show us the heart of the father claim no glory for himself because he came from the father and we hated him because we wanted to be God, despised and rejected. We esteemed him not. Conflict escalating now. It starts with a betrayal. Judas betrays his eternal Lord for 30 pieces of silver. A final meal, a prayer, and then they head into the garden. 
where Jesus sweat with drops of blood preparing for our pardon the soldiers took the Lord away and they led him to a trial are you the son of God they say I am there's no denying except of course for his disciples who left their Lord in fear Jesus looked up to the sky he was all alone from here they led him to a praetorium and then they began to beat him who hit you they would shout Oh, Father, please forgive them. They made his back a bloody mess. They whipped him till he lost his breath. They threw the cross upon his wounds. The weight of sin, 300 pounds. The great eternal Lord of all, the author of all things, now like a lamb unto the slaughter. Would this be his defeat? They nailed him to the rugged cross. They shouted out, Where is your God? He said, Have you forsaken me? He takes a breath, his final three. It is finished. The Savior's cry. And then he bowed his head. The author of life, the Lord of all. The Son of God is dead. They laid his body in tomb and then everything was quiet and God's people find themselves again in everlasting silence. Two days pass and on the second morning after Jesus died, Mary went to the tomb to take a look inside. And when she arrived, she was met by an angel. She fell to the ground, but he said, there's no danger. This Jesus, Jesus, is he the one you seek? Mary, he is not here. He is risen indeed. Climax, it's true. Every good story has one. That part where you feel a slight shift of momentum. Mary's prince to go tell the disciples, the Lord, he's alive. He's alive like he promised. Peter and John go to see for themselves, but there's nothing there. He said, perhaps he truly lives. Then Jesus' words come flashing to mind. They will kill the Son of Man, but after three days, he will rise. Momentum is surely building now. The enemy is limping. Jesus finds the twelve and he gives to them the mission. All authority is mine, all in heaven and on earth. Go and tell them I'm alive. Go and tell the whole wide world. And don't get slack, I'm coming back. Acts now, the church is born. The Holy Spirit given. The news of Jesus, like the most contagious sickness spreading. Thousands saved. A mighty wind is blowing through the region. The promise God gave to Abraham, we're finally starting to see it. Repentance and forgiveness preached, all in the name of Jesus. Sinners and saints alike proclaim. Our God has come to save us. The Gentiles hear the story. Oh, and the news is blowing up. The plan is working. The gospel spreading from Asia to Africa. Martyrs laying down their lives because they know this story is true. It's a story like no other. It's a movement you cannot undo. See, Constantine tried to slow it down and right turn it into steeples, but an angry monk from Germany, he wrote some holy gospel thesis. It's 
spread like fire and then it came to India by sail and here we are in the 21st century because the gospel cannot fail it's the greatest story that's ever been told by the greatest author the world has ever known but there is still some left to go yes there is still some left to go Go was the command to every tribe and nation Carry this great story to this dying generation Cause when this gospel finally spreads across the whole of the earth We're gonna hear a trumpet sound And Jesus will return Heaven will be open And a white horse shall appear And the one who sits on it All his enemies will fear His eyes will be like fire His purpose will be glory Justice for all evil Life for all who love this story He'll come to judge the quick and the dead And all who trod this world Every knee will bow and tongue confess That Jesus Christ is Lord Death and Hades he will throw into that lake of fire And Satan too, that serpent foe, that coward, that old liar See the church will rise and surround the throne And clothes in glory his With every nation, tribe and tongue We will worship him Singing worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb The Lamb who has been slain Blessing and honor, glory and power Forever to his name And for ages and ages We will sing the praises of our God and King It's the greatest story that's ever been told By the greatest author the world has ever known See, because he wrote a check with his life As God heard his cry And at the resurrection we all cheered because that means that check cleared. Check. All right, this is on. Thank you, Jonan. Really wonderful. Really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. I trust all of you watching us online. I trust you uh, experienced the story, not just heard its story, but really experienced it. And uh, that was just amazing. That was just wonderful. Today, as we take time just to uh, celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus 2,000 years ago, the fact that he rose up from the grave, that he's alive today. I want, us to, I want to just spend some time uh, sharing with us on how his resurrection affects you and me. So I just titled the message, His Resurrection in Me. While Jesus was here on this earth with his disciples, uh, on several occasions he told them that he was going to be crucified, he was going to die on the cross, 
and then that he would rise up again. One such reference is in John chapter 14 and verse 19, where Jesus said, A little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. Because I live, you will live also. So, his resurrection affects you and me. He said, because I live, you will also live. The fact that he was going to rise up from the dead meant that it's going to affect you and me in some way. You know, and uh, if we could just, in our minds, travel back in time and imagine you are one of his disciples, one of his 12 disciples, whether Peter or John, imagine yourself there. Or just imagine you're one of those close, one of those people who have been closely following Jesus. And uh, think about, you know, just going through the whole sequence of events. You're with him uh, uh, during his time of ministry. He's doing amazing things. He's teaching amazing things. And yet he keeps telling you, I'm going to die on the cross. But after three days, I'm going to rise up again. And you're wondering, what's he talking about? And then it all happens. That Passover day, after you've had that meal with him, where he did something very unusual, he said, this is my body, this is my blood, take, eat and drink. That night... Something unexpected, totally unexpected happens. He's captured by these soldiers. And the, there are these chief priests. And Judas, one of his own, one of your own friends, betrays him. And he's taken from there. And then you see him go through the shame, the humiliation, and the agony of dying on the cross. And you know for sure he's dead. Crucifixion. Death by crucifixion historically was uh, developed you know, most likely by the Assyrians or the Babylonians. And then uh, uh, Alexander the Great, the Greek uh, leader, uh, brought it over into the Mediterranean. And then the Romans perfected it, so to speak. That means when they caught somebody in any form of rebellion against the Roman Empire, the only thing they did was crucify them. And they perfected it. That means they made sure that nobody escaped that death on the cross or on the, through crucifixion. So we can be absolutely sure Jesus Christ died on the cross. He was nailed there by these Roman soldiers who knew how to do their job well. And then you see the whole story unfold. You see Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man who already had his family grave or tomb hewn out of a rock. Now, again, history will tell us that most of the Jewish people, they were buried in the ground or, uh, you know, they, they had just a normal grave. It was only the very rich who could afford to have their, their grave hewn out of a rock, almost like a small cave. And, 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 and by the description, we understand that this was a small cave hewn to the rock. And uh, there was a, there was a, 
a ledge all around it where the bodies could be kept. And it was like a family grave. And, and you see the body of Jesus being taken there, embalmed with spices and wrapped in cloth and placed there. And this huge stone, some say maybe it was about 200, kilogram, uh, uh, 200 kg, some say, you know, some estimates bring it up to a, one and a half tons, the weight of that stone. And the way it was so designed was uh, it was up on a hill and all you had to do was let it roll in place, roll down into place and seal, lock, come, fall into place to close that tomb. There was no way you could open it unless you move the rock up against gravity. And you see the whole stone being rolled into place, locked in there. And not only that, you should see the chief priest going, talking to the Romans, and then having that tomb sealed, meaning a, a wire or, or, a, or a rope put across that tomb, stuck on either side with clay, and the Roman signet put on the clay stamp saying, Nobody will dare remove this rope that seals this tomb. And in front of that tomb, you've got a battalion of Roman soldiers seating, seated there, guarding the tomb. And you're seeing all of this. And yet, that resurrection Sunday morning, imagine you are one of those disciples, whether it's Peter or John or Mary, whoever, or the followers of Jesus, you're arriving that morning, you're coming to the tomb, and you find the stone rolled up against gravity, up the hill. That's the only way you could open the tomb. This huge stone pushed up there. The soldiers are missing. The seal has been broken. Anybody who breaks that Roman seal will die. There's no way they're going to be left alive. And then you sneak in. You don't know what to expect. And the body's not there. But there's an angel that tells you. Remember what he said? He's risen. He's not here. And you know, like the disciples of old, it's hard for you to comprehend this. I mean, risen? Really? Did it actually happen? The Bible tells us that the disciples of Jesus did not believe that he had risen from the dead. They didn't believe it. He had told them repeatedly, I'm going to rise, I'm going to rise. And there they were, 12 of them, sitting inside uh, the upper room in unbelief or in disbelief. They didn't believe. They're trying, you know, their minds must have been trying to process this. Whatever happened to the body? Did somebody steal it? No, it could not be. There were soldiers there. It was sealed. It was a huge stone. Uh, but, but where did the body go? They couldn't understand. And they sat there in unbelief until Jesus himself appeared in that room and said, he reprimanded them. And he says, you know, See, I'm alive, just like I said. And then they believed. What is even more interesting is that the brothers, the siblings of Jesus, during his earthly ministry, they did not believe in Jesus. But then you find, after his resurrection, you find them sitting in the upper room. There's only one thing that would have ever convinced them about Jesus. And that was his resurrection. 
if they did not believe him hearing his preaching, they didn't believe him seeing his miracles, and if he, they saw him crucified, and if he had not risen from the dead, they would not be sitting in the upper room. But there they were, his own siblings, his brothers, who did not believe him in his earthly ministry, post his crucifixion, were there in the upper room waiting for the promise of the Father. The only reason they would be there is because of his resur resurrection. And I think the greatest testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the transformation of the Apostle Paul. This man who was so against the preaching of Christ that he would turn in a moment, in a, in a day, morning, he was attacking the Christians. The rest of the day, something happened. His life changed. And not only did his life change, but the course of history altered. As this man carried the gospel all across the Mediterranean and, 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 and wrote for us much of the New Testament, the revelation that God gave to him. A great, powerful testimony that Jesus Christ did indeed rise from the dead. Jesus said, because I live, you will also live. How does the resurrection of Jesus affect your life and mine today? I want to, you know, there, there's a lot that we can talk about. I want to just uh, uh, address a few areas in which your life and mine is affected because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, in, in, in 1 Corinthians 15th chapter is a great resurrection chapter where the Apostle Paul is, is talking about the resurrection of Christ and then he continues on to tell that we too will be resurrected because Christ has been raised from the dead. And in that passage, he brings something very interesting. He says, you know, uh, just as in Adam, everyone dies in Christ, everybody is made alive. He contrasts what we receive in Adam and in Christ. He contrasts that. And I want to just read a few of those verses from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 48 and 49. Yeah, Paul writes, and I'm reading from the New King James, he says, As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. As is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. So what Paul is saying is, just as we have things that we have received through Adam, there's a lot that we receive through this man, the heavenly man, referring to Jesus Christ. And he says, just as we've borne the image of the earthly man, we will also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now, when we read that, uh, it kind of gives us the idea he's talking about something out in the future. But when you look at it very carefully and, and you look, read some of those commentaries, uh, that the, they say that the text actually positions it in the here and now. It says, uh, and so it actually states, let us bear instead of we shall also bear. And the Passion Translation brings this out. Let me read these two verses from the Passion Translation. 1 Corinthians 15, 48 and 49. Listen to it very carefully. It says, The first one, made from dust, has a race of people just like him, who are also made from dust. 
the one sent from heaven has a race of heavenly people who are just like him. Think about that. You and I have transitioned from being just like the earthly man to now being like the heavenly man. And we are now a race of heavenly people who are just like him. Verse 49 once we carried the likeness of the man of dust, but now let us carry the likeness of the man of heaven. Notice what it says. We once carried the likeness of the man of dust, but now let us carry the likeness of the man from heaven. That means right here and now, in this life, we are going to reveal, we are going to manifest, we are going to carry the likeness, we are going to resemble, we are going to represent this heavenly man whose race we now belong to. Amen. We belong to that heavenly race. When we believed in Jesus, we transitioned. And our life, our resemblance, our our DNA, so to speak, flows from this heavenly man. And so you and I, when we live our life on earth, it is true that we bear resemblance to the earthly man. Our, our bodies are, are frail and so on. There is resemblance there. But something has transitioned because we now believe in the risen Jesus and we are here to carry his resemblance. Or to, we are the race of his people and we carry or we represent who he is. Because he lives, we also live. Something about his resurrection, resurrected life affects us here and now. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to mention a few things. Number one, I want us to understand that his resurrection attests to our justification. Romans chapter 4 and verse 25. It says who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. So the Bible is saying he was delivered for our offenses. We understand that. But it also says, Romans 4.25, it also says he was raised because of our justification. In other words, until we were justified, he would not be raised. Until the price was completed, until you and I were acquitted in the court of heaven, Jesus would not be raised from the grave. But once you and I were justified, once you and I were acquitted in the courts of heaven, once you and I were completely cleared before God and God said, I declare them righteous, I declare them accepted, I declare them forgiven, the case is closed. Then the Bible says he was raised up. He was raised up because of our justification. So what does that mean? It means the resurrection of Jesus Christ attests to the fact then you and I have been justified. We are cleared of all guilt, all shame, all condemnation. Everything that was written against us has been removed out of the way because Jesus Christ is alive. He was raised because of our 
justification. And Paul continues there in Romans 5, verse 1. He says, therefore, that means because you and I have been justified. He says, having been justified by faith, we just, uh, just by simple faith in Jesus, we have received that. He says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So imagine, we are at peace with God. We are not at enmity with God. We are at peace. We are at friendship with God. And it says, verse 2, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We stand in this place of grace before God. Christ was raised because we were justified. Therefore, we have peace with God. Therefore, we are in this place of grace before God by faith. And then he continues, he says, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have hope of the glory of God that we are partakers of. And he says, and therefore, you know, we, we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance develops character, and character hope, and hope doesn't disappoint us, because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. He's saying, you know, we've been justified and therefore, all these things follow in our lives. We have peace with God. We are in this place of grace. We are partakers of the glory of God. And, uh, uh, you know, we go through hardships, but these things don't hold us back. They don't disappoint us because we know, you know, character is being developed in our lives. And we know love of God, the love of God is poured into our hearts. All this has become available to us because he was raised for our justification or because of our justification. So what does this mean for you and me? You know, many believers struggle with that deep sense of guilt, shame, and condemnation. They, they are crippled by this feeling of feelings of unworthiness. They feel like, I'm not good enough. I'm unworthy. I, I, I'm not qualified. I want you to know the resurrection attests to your justification. The resurrection is saying you've been qualified. The resurrection is saying you're cleared. You're welcome in the presence of God. You are accepted. You've been justified. You've been acquitted. There is no shame, guilt, or condemnation. You don't have to go and fight for your, or fight to defend yourself now. The case is closed. There is no more cases against you in the courts of heaven. Jesus Christ settled it once for all when he rose up from the dead. You are justified and you go boldly to the throne of grace. You are God's beloved. You are accepted. Don't believe any of the accusations of the enemy because Satan has one major tactic, which is to accuse you, to make you feel condemned, to make you feel unworthy, unfit, unwelcome, as the God is against you, as the God is mad about you. Uh, you know, that is a lie and the deception of the enemy. You need to know that he was raised because of your justification. The fact that Jesus Christ is alive today is a great announcement that you have been justified. Therefore, you are welcome in the presence of God. Therefore, you can go boldly to the throne of grace. Therefore, you can act like God's own chosen, God's beloved, because Jesus Christ is alive. And so, don't let those thoughts, those accusations of the enemy hold you down. He was raised for your, or because of your, justification. Number two. How does the resurrection of Jesus affect you and me today? Romans chapter 6 verse 4. Paul writes, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, 
that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. There is this truth in the Bible which is called identification, which means in the mind of God, when Christ died, you died. When Christ was buried, you were buried. Even before you and I were born, all of this took place. You and I were identified with Christ so that whatever happened to Christ happened to you. And it has a consequence in your life and mine today. And the part I want to focus on is his resurrection. He says, even as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we should walk in newness of life. In other words, you put it in simple, plain terms, because he was resurrected, you and I are walk in newness of life. His resurrection makes it possible for you and me to walk in newness of life. His resurrection in me means I can walk in newness of life. That the, the way the writer, Paul, the writer emphasizes is it's newness. That's the word he's emphasizing. He's saying there is something new about our life on earth. And then he says newness of Zoe, the God kind of life. That means his resurrection makes it possible for you and me as believers to live in the God kind of life. To walk in the Zoe kind of life. And remember, that's what Jesus came to give you and me. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life that is Zoe and have it in abundance. It means as much as you want, have it. Have the God kind of life. And Paul is saying, he was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father so that you and I could walk in the newness of the God kind of life. You are a new creation in Christ. And because He lives, you can walk in the God kind of life. Walk means live it. Walk in it. Experience it. Have, a, have it become part of you. Walk in the God kind of life. And as Paul explains in Romans 6, this God kind of life means sin will not have dominion over you. Romans 7 and 8, this God kind of life means that the flesh will not dominate you. Romans 12, this God kind of life means you're living a life that is transformed and not conformed to this world. It's a different kind of a life. You're walking in newness of life, the God kind of life. So his resurrection enables you and me to walk in the God kind of life. You say, what does that mean to me? It means that nothing of the past has a right to, to hold on to you. Now, some of us believers, even though we are born again and, and we, we love Jesus, we've, you know, we let things of the past stick on to our life. And sometimes the devil lies to us and says, you know, this is the way it's going to be. These things of the past, they're really not gone. They're still going to hold on to you. But the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. For some, it could be sinful lifestyle behavior patterns of the past. 
And the devil lies and says, you know, you got to continue living like this. But I want you to know, his resurrection means that you have a right to live in the newness of the God kind of a life. You have the right to walk free from all old things. All old things have gone away. All things have become new. And you have a right to this newness of life. You have a right to live in the God kind of a life. You have a right to live in, 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 in this Zoe kind of a life. This abundant God kind of life that Jesus Christ came to give to you and me. Which means you can walk free from those past things. You can walk free from anything and everything of the past that tries to hold on to you. You don't have to live in bondage to that. His resurrection means you can walk in newness of life. Number three, what does His resurrection mean to you and me today? Now, you listen to this very carefully. It means that we can have His life manifested in our physical bodies. Look at what Paul writes in Romans 8 and verse 11. He says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, which He does, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. To your mortal bodies. That means this physical body. It's going to die. But he's giving life to this mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. Romans 8 and verse 11. I want us to take some time to understand this. Because I think we don't talk about it enough. What Paul is saying is that if the Resurrection, the spirit of resurrection, the Holy Spirit, is living in you and me. Then he's going to give life to this mortal body. Yes, this body is mortal. It's going to die. It's going to decay. But the Holy Spirit in me, the Holy Spirit in you, is giving life to your mortal body. He is giving life to every cell in your body, so that the life of Jesus can be made manifest. Paul writes about this in, first Corinth, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. 2 Corinthians 4, 10 and 11. Listen to this. Paul is talking about his ministry. He's talking about the fact that he's going through all kinds of persecution. And he says, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That means we are persecuted. We are facing hardships in our physical body. But on the other hand, the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. The life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. Think about this. Let it sink into you. The life of Jesus, the Zoe life of Jesus is manifested in our body. And he repeats that in the next verse, verse 11. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. This body, the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. What does that mean? If the life of God, if the Holy Spirit is giving life to my body, then everything that causes death is driven out of my mortal body. If the life of Jesus is made manifest in my mortal body, then whatever causes death, sickness and disease and infirmities have to be driven out. 
say, but can that be so? Is that true? Well, we just have to believe the Bible. It's written there that the Spirit dwells in us, quickens our mortal body. It is written there that the life of Jesus is made manifest in a mortal flesh. You can believe it or you don't. There's nobody forcing you to believe it. The option is yours. The choice is yours. I choose to believe it. I choose to believe that the Holy Spirit in me will give life to every cell in my body. I choose to believe that the life of Jesus will be made manifest in my body. I choose to believe that the life of Jesus will be made manifest in my mortal flesh. Now think about this. Paul, let's put it in context. Paul is saying we are being persecuted. We are suffering physically. But yet through it, the life of Jesus made manifest. A classic example is in Acts, the 14th chapter. Paul has been traveling. He travels through uh, the region. Uh, he comes into a place called Antioch of Sidia. This is not Antioch in Syria, which is his hometown, but he comes to another Antioch, Antioch in Sidia. Then from there he goes to Iconium. And from there he goes to a town called Derbe, and then he goes to Lystra. And when he comes to Lystra, these people from Antioch and Iconium, they come over, they capture Paul, they attack him, they drag him out of the town of Lystra, and they stone him, and they leave him as dead. A man has been stoned, he's been left as dead. Here's what happens. The believers gather around Paul. The Bible says, Paul gets up. He walks back to Lystra. And the next day, he goes on his journey to preach in other places. A man who has been stoned and left as dead will not do something like this. He'll probably take six months to recover from all his wounds. He's not going to get up and walk back to the town where he was attacked. And as you read on the, read the story further, he goes, preaches, and he comes back to Lystra, and he goes back to Iconium and Antioch. That's boldness. On the same journey, going back to the towns of those people who came and attacked you and stoned you and left you for dead. That's boldness. Paul says, the life of Jesus is made manifest in our mortal flesh. I can only, the one, what I believe is that the Spirit of God dwelling in Paul quickened his mortal body so that the wounds were healed in an instant. All that was inflicted on him through that stoning that left, caused him to be left as dead was healed in an instant by the life of Jesus in his body so that he could get up and go on his journey, keep preaching the gospel. And that's what he's writing about in 2 Corinthians 4, 10 and 11. He says, though we are persecuted on every side, though we are bare in our body the marks of Jesus, he says the life of Jesus is made manifest. So here's the third thing. How his resurrection affects you and me. His resurrection life is in our bodies. And you and I must believe it. You and I must believe that his life is made manifest in our bodies. That sickness and disease will not 
live here, will not dwell here. My body is for the life of Jesus, not for the habitation of sickness and disease. And today, as we pray, we want each of these aspects to impact each of our lives. We want to, when we want to, when we take this time to pray later on, we want to pray that His resurrection, life in us, causes us to, to experience healing and wholeness in our bodies so that uh, sickness and disease will not dwell here. It may come, but it's not going to dwell here because the life of Jesus is, is, is manifest in our bodies. Number four, how does his resurrection affect you and me? The Bible tells us in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 that this exceeding great power that God exerts towards us is the same power that he wrought when he raised Jesus from the dead and set him at his own right hand. That means God is saying, the power that I used to raise Jesus from the dead is the same power I'm willing to work in your life. Think about it. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that resurrection power, is the power God has made available to work in you, for you, and through you. Is what Paul says in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. Try to imagine this. When the moment came for Jesus to be raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit. I'm sure Lucifer and every angel that he could get were in one place. They wanted to hold the body of Jesus down. Say, so guys, I'm giving you a vacation from everything else. All of you have to come and do one thing. Hold Jesus down. That's it. No other assignment at this moment. All of hell, all of Satan and all his demons were there with one intent. We are going to try to prevent Jesus from rising from the dead. The Bible says, God, by the power of his spirit, raised Jesus from the dead. Overthrew all the powers of hell. And now Paul is saying, I want you to understand the greatness of the power that's available for you and me. It's the same power that God used when he raised Jesus up from the dead. What is it in your life today? You want God to raise up, resurrect, heal, change, transform. There's more than enough power that God has made available to change that situation. Whether it's a healing in your body, a breaking of bondages, a turning around of life situations. The Bible says that the greatness of the power that God's made available to you and me is, is the same power that he used to raise Jesus up from the dead. The resurrection power is available for you and me. And finally, worship team, please come. Finally, how does his resurrection affect you and me? We have this blessed hope of resurrection from the dead. We have this blessed hope of resurrection 
from the dead. Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 52 to 54. He says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, when this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Paul teaches us very clearly that a day is coming. When we, our mortal, will put on immortality. When we will be raised up from the dead. If we are alive at the time of Christ's return for his church, in a twinkling of an eye, in a moment, in the sound of a trumpet, Paul writes, he says, our bodies will be changed. And the dead in Christ will also be raised. And we will be caught up to meet him in the air. And we will have glorified, resurrected, immortal bodies. And Paul says, so shall we be ever with the Lord. This is the hope you and I have. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will receive you to myself. So that where I am, there you may be also. And this is the hope that you and I have. Because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. We have this hope. We believe and we know for sure that one day, one day, the Lord himself will descend. And we will be raised up. If we have already died, our bodies will be brought up. And we will have resurrected bodies. If we are alive on the earth at the time of Christ's return, in a moment our bodies will be changed. And our bodies will put on immortality. And we will have glorified, resurrected bodies like his own body. And we'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And we'll be taken up into heaven, into those mansions that he has been preparing for you and me. And we're going to be joined together there with the saints of old. With all those who have gone on before us. We're going to have this great grand reunion. And the Bible, John describes this in Revelation 19. As the great marriage supper of the Lamb. When we will be seated at the table with this risen Jesus. And this is the blessed hope that you and I have as believers. What a great hope. His resurrection impacts our lives here on earth. And His resurrection impacts our eternity, affects our eternity. We can comfort one another with these words. Yes, as we journey through life on earth, there will be those who go on ahead of us. And that separation is painful. But we do not sorrow as those who have no hope. In the midst of our sorrow, we do have this blessed hope. That because he lives, everything's going to be fine. Because he's risen from the dead right here on this earth. While we live, his resurrection attests to our justification. We can live free from sin, shame, and condemnation. 
His resurrection attests to the fact that we have new life. We walk in newness of the God kind of life. And the things of the earth cannot hold on, cannot attach itself to us. We're going to live the Zoe kind of life here on earth. His resurrection means His life is made manifest in our physical bodies. His resurrection means that we have the power of God available to us, working in us, for us, and through us, the power that is greater than all the powers of hell. And His resurrection means that one day, we too will have resurrected, glorified bodies. His resurrection in me, His resurrection in you. The worship team is going to lead us in a few moments of just celebrating the risen Jesus, the Christ who conquered the grave. After that, I want to come and just take some time to pray. But I want you to raise your expectation. Today, our goal is not just to bring you a sermon or a message. Our goal is for each one of us to experience experience his resurrection in our lives he said because i live you will live because i'm resurrected something in you is affected and we want that to happen today there may be some of us who are watching or listening and you've never received jesus christ into your life He's never, you've never let him come and change you and make you a new person. You've never let him, let his resurrection life affect you. As the worship team is singing, I want to invite you to pray and say, Jesus, today, this Resurrection Sunday of 2021, I want you to come into my life. I want to live because you live. I believe that you died for my sins. You rose up again. You're alive. And you said, because I live, you will live. I want to live. I want your life in me. I want you to pray that while the worship team leads us. Right where you are. If you've never done that, pray. Jesus, I want to live. I want your life in me. And after that, I want to come and pray with, with us. For each of these four points that I mentioned. First, the fact about justification. If you are under a, this heavy guilt of shame and condemnation, we want that to break up of your life. Second, for us to walk in newness of the God kind of life, things of the past that are holding on to you, wanted to be broken off of your life. Enough is enough. You don't have to tolerate it. Third, if there's sickness and disease in your body, we want to believe that the life of Jesus will be made manifest in your body so that anything that works death, and that is sickness and disease and infirmity, deformities, abnormalities, things that doctors say we can't help, we want the life of Jesus to flood every cell in your body that you can rise up healed whole. And number four, let the resurrection power of Jesus transform every life situation. There's more than enough power to affect your life today. So we're going to pray towards those things. But as the worship team leads us, let your faith arise. 
let the expectation arise. I want you to expect his life in you. Because he lives, you also will live. And God sent his song. They call him Jesus. He came to love. Heal and forgive. And he
Amen. Amen. I trust you pray that prayer in your heart to say, Jesus, I want your resurrection life in me. And if you did that while the team was leading us in this song, I just want you to, if you don't mind, just type your name in the chat to share that today you said, Jesus, I want your life in me. Jesus said, because I live, you will also live. And if you've never ever, up until today, never said, Jesus, I receive you. I receive your resurrection. I believe you died for me. You rose up again. And I want your life. If you've never done that before, but today you did that for the first time in your life, then type your name in the live chat so the people will know that you've done it and will celebrate with you. I want us to take this time to pray. Uh, we are going to just join our hearts, all of us here on the, on the stage. We're going to join our hearts together. We're going to pray. We want to pray for you. Those of you who are watching us, wherever you are, whenever you're going to be watching this, we believe that as you agree together with us, agree together with the Word of God that you heard this morning, and you heard on this uh, online church service, that as you agree, believe the Word. God will touch you wherever you are. First, we want to pray for those who might be still living under that sense of shame, guilt, and condemnation. You're a believer. But till this moment, you've let the devil lie to you. You've let the devil cripple your life, keep you uh, bound under a cloud of guilt and shame and condemnation but his resurrection you heard this morning from the bible romans 4 25 that jesus christ was raised because of your justification and god has declared you free from guilt shame and condemnation god has cleared you you're acquitted you've been justified and christ's resurrection attests to your justification. I want to pray that God will release you from that. Secondly, we're going to pray for those who have things from the past that's holding on to them. They're not, you're not able to get rid of it. Maybe lifestyle, behavior, patterns, and uh, whatever, things of the past. Sometimes the shame of the past. Sometimes a, a trauma of the past. Sometimes it's abuse of the past. Whatever of the past is holding on to your life, saying, I'm never going to let you go. Today is your day to be free. Because you heard God's word. It says that like as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, you and I will walk in newness of life. That new kind of life, the God kind of life is yours because you are in Christ. We're going to pray for that. We're going to pray for healing in your body. Because the same spirit who raised Jesus up from the dead is living inside you. And he can quicken every cell in your body. He can fix diabetic conditions. He can fix blood conditions. He can disintegrate tumors and growths and cysts. He can heal uh, you know, any kind of situation. He can heal all those neurological disorders. He can cause nerves that have been damaged to be healed. He can fix broken bones. He can, he can make our bodies whole. He can give life to what is dead in our bodies because he is the spirit who raised Jesus up from 
from the dead. And he's living inside of you. You're going to believe God to do that. You're going to believe God for the resurrection power of God to affect our lives. To work miracles. Let's pray together. Father, we stand here together around your word. Because your word is truth, Father. And Jesus, you're alive. And you are here to confirm your word. And so right now, we extend our faith for every single person who's tuned in and is listening to this message wherever they are, whenever they listen to. And Lord, first of all, we pray for those who might be under a, a cloud of guilt, shame, condemnation right now. In the name of Jesus, we take authority over the lies and the deceptions of the enemy. Satan, we come against your lies. We come against your deceptions that have traumatized their minds, that have become stronger in their minds right now by the authority of the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit we dismantle the lies of the enemy we cast it out of your minds we cast it out of your being be free in the name of Jesus let every struggle of the enemy be dismantled and let every lying deceiving spirit that has kept you bound in condemnation, in feelings of inferiority, in feelings of worthlessness. Let it leave you right now in the name of Jesus and arise with confidence, arise with boldness, arise with a sense of knowing that you are the beloved of the Lord, that you are accepted by God, that you are His chosen, you are His anointed, you are His beloved, that you are washed by the blood you are justified you are sanctified and that you are his own how that freedom come over you right now in the name of jesus and father we pray for those who have things from the past that are still troubling them whatever it might be father your word says that we are new creation and all things have passed away but yet the enemy tries to bring those old things onto us and that is wrong so right now in the name of jesus we come against those old things that are trying to attach them uh, themselves on your people old lifestyle patterns old sin sinful bondages things of abuse things of trauma things that have hurt people from the past in the name of jesus by the power of the resurrection spirit the spirit of resurrection let them be released right now let them experience their freedom let every work of the enemy be removed and destroyed of of their lives in the name of Jesus let the chains fall off of their minds their bodies of their emotions Lord God let there be a release let there be a release because your word says we can walk in the newness of the God kind of a life today let them step in to a greater measure of the Zoe life of God today let them step in to a greater abundance of the God kind of life the life that Jesus came to give us in abundance father I pray that right where they are as they are watching as they are listening let the life of God flood their lives let the life of God bring the light of God that drives out darkness because your word says in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in darkness and the darkness cannot overpower it so Lord, let every work of darkness be expelled 
We thank you, Father. And Lord, right now we pray for those who might be having any form of sickness, disease, disorders, ailments in their bodies. Right now, I want you to join your faith with me. I, may not, I don't need to call out your particular condition. Whatever it is, lay your hand on your part of your body or just call out to God and say, God, I want you to heal me off of this. Let the life of Jesus be made manifest in my body. I take authority over every spirit of arthritis. I take authority over pneumonia. I take authority over cancer. I take authority over tumors and growths in your body. In the name of Jesus, I come against the spirit that's behind it. I come against spirits of infirmity and let I command you to go out of those bodies. Let the life of Jesus flood your mortal body, every cell in your body. Let it be filled with the life of Jesus. Let sickness and disease be driven out now in the name of Jesus. I want you to just receive the prayer that we are being that, that we are praying from here. I want you to receive and say, Lord, I receive it. I receive it. Believe it and begin to act on it. Begin to check your body right now. Now on the live chat, if you can, if you've experienced a healing, if a miracle has taken place in your body right now and you've experienced the touch of God on the live chat, type it there for us please so that people can see, that people can know that God is doing His work in your life. So right now, do that. Testify to what the Lord is doing in your life right now. Now, on the live chat, just type it out. Type out what's happening. You're feeling the presence of God. You're feeling the power of God go through your body. You're feeling healing coming into your body. Begin to act on it, then testify to it. Testify to what God is doing. If you receive the miracle right now, testify to it on the live chat. Let people see what God is doing. And as we read in the scriptures today, the same power that has raised Jesus up from the dead is available for you and me. And we want to pray. And say, Father, let the resurrection power of God be made manifest in our lives. Situations that are hopeless, let them be turned around by the resurrection power of God. In the name of Jesus, let situations be turned around. Hopeless situations, let them be turned around difficult financial situations let them be turned around difficult business situations let them be turned around let businesses begin to prosper let businesses begin to come alive let financial situations be turned around Lord God let relationships at home and marriages be turned around by the power of God by the resurrection power of God Lord nothing is impossible nothing is impossible let dreams that have been given up come alive today Lord God, resurrect dreams. Resurrect, Lord, the futures uh, that people have given up on. Resurrect them today. Let those futures come alive by the power of God flowing in the lives of people, Father. Let there be great testimonies of things turning around from this moment on. Let the power of God go into operation, Father. Your word tells us that you're able to do more than what we can ask, think, or imagine according to your power. 
power that's at work in us. So this day, let things begin to go in emotion in the lives of people. Let them know that the resurrection power of God is turning their circumstances around. Is turning their situations around. God, you're the God who sets the captives free. So open up the prison doors for those who might be in prison. God, those who might be held captive, open up those prison doors. Let the captives go free. Lord God, let the people let their oppressors have a change in mind let them set them free let them send them into their land of liberty let them send them into their place of freedom lord let the power of god move into their life situations and turn things around lord we pray that even people who are trapped in debt will be released from debt by the supernatural power of god turn these things around father in the lives of your people let the power of god turn their circumstances around let the power of god turn their situations around let them know that god you are at work but the same power that raised jesus up from the dead is at work in them for them and through them the same power that raised jesus up from the dead is at work in you at work for you and at work through you in your life situations the resurrection power of god is in your life working for you working towards you working to turn things around for you receive it believe that god will turn things around in your life in the name of our lord jesus christ father we give you thanks we give you thanks oh god for all that you have done for all that you will do in the lives of your people we give you the thanks we give you the praise and we give you oh god the honor we thank you father we thank you you know we'd love to hear from you when god does a miracle in your life take a moment to share that testimony with us send it to us by email to testimony at apcw.org share that with us and we could rejoice with you we can share with others the goodness of god and what he has done because he lives we live because he lives we have hope we have faith for the future we're going to close we're going to pray and just close just pronounce the benediction i believe god's power is at work in your life in your situation remember what we heard his resurrection in you in me makes all the difference let's close in prayer the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god our heavenly father and the sweet fellowship of his holy spirit be with each of us always always all right i am just been reminded that we are going to partake of the communion please uh, please bring the elements so stay tuned we're not done yet we're going to partake of the communion now at this time uh, the oh thank you thank you i'm so sorry I just caught up in ministering. You know, uh, thank God for all those all the volunteers who are serving here, our worship team and everyone. Uh, we are grateful, and everyone who's serving online, we're grateful for to all of you. Let's take a moment right now before we go offline to partake of the Lord's table. I hope those of you at home or wherever you're watching, you've got the elements ready and we will partake of the communion together 
It's a powerful testimony, a powerful declaration of what Jesus did for us on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection. And it's us declaring our faith that we believe, we believe, we believe in Jesus. Father, we sanctify these earthly elements, Lord, of bread and grape juice. And we are thankful for the cross. We are thankful for Christ's death and resurrection. We worship you. And even as we partake, Lord, we are declaring our gratitude. We're declaring our faith in what Jesus did for us. We believe. And we are grateful. The Lord Jesus said, take, eat. This is my body that's given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread together, please. The Lord Jesus said, this is my blood of the new covenant that is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. By his blood, we have been redeemed. By his blood, we have been washed and sanctified and justified. By his blood, we are protected. By his blood, we overcome. Lord, we thank you. Let's partake of the cup together. Lord, we give you thanks. And we give you praise. We are eternally grateful for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources including sermons, sermon notes, publication, please visit apcwo.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, please visit apcbiblecollege.org. Please remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the app or Google Play Store.